Welcome to Empower to Grow, the podcast. I'm your host, Hanan Al-Basha, the business doctor. Following our conversations with empowered women who woke up one day and consciously claimed, I am more than enough. I am worthy. I am empowered to grow. And along their empowering journey towards realizing their own potential and their quest for growth, they became a beacon of hope and guidance for others. May you also find your inner power to grow. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to our Uncharted Discussions episode of Empowered to Grow. This is your host, Hanan Elbash. I still have my beautiful friend with me, Dr. Luana Garcia-Ozumela. And uh, as previously mentioned, Luana is an experienced economist, and she is passionate about uh, impact development and about representation and about closing the gender gap and the economic diversity. And we've been talking about a lot of these topics that we kind of started touching on them in the first episode. And here I want to kind of delve a bit deeper that we've been witnessing conversations happening a lot more now and coming to the surface about um, closing the gaps, um, bridging the gaps, uh, whether we're talking about women in business, whether we're talking about pay equality, whether we're talking about the diversity within workplaces. And these all, well, they've been happening for forever, <laughs> but we just started saying, okay, you know, let's raise some red flags over here and let's talk about them a bit more. From your perspective, what are the repercussions of the status quo, as in what's happening right now, just resuming as is, or us really looking at how and when and and where to start bridging these gaps and start having these, not just conversations, but start actually implementing and executing on making the changes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, this this is a crucial conversation, Hanan. And obviously the markets that I am that I can speak um, more confidently about, that I have some uh, data on is Latin America and the Caribbean, right? Mm -hmm. And for those who don't know, um, Latin America and the Caribbean concentrate about 40% of the population um, is diverse, right? It's either, uh, Afro-descendant or indigenous, and obviously more than half of the population is female. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, what uh, we observe is a huge, um, as much as there has been a huge progress, particularly in gender equality uh, mm-hmm. in the region, uh, in the Latin American region, women now are more educated than men. Uh, there has been a, a huge, a significant drop in uh, f- um, the gender gap in uh, uh, labor force participation rates today. Right. Uh, more than half of the uh, female labor force participate actively in the labor forces engaged. Um, obviously, women mm-hmm. today in the region are considered the, the motor, like the engine of the economy, because they make the decision. 80% of homes is women who make the decisions about what to purchase, how much to purchase, etc. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and obviously, uh, um, in that sense, we would expect that as education, educational achievements, and it's something similar for Afro-descendants, 
has happened, right? Uh, the indigenous populations too, but they still lag behind because there are many laws within the region that limit the, the freedoms in terms of okay. how dependent indigenous, indigenous people are from the state um, in accessing to capital, et cetera, and how they use their lands, et cetera. So the indigenous context is a bit more complex. I'll focus on the Afro-descendant context um, today, there are about 150 million Afro-descendants living okay. in Latin America and the Caribbean. So it's a lot of people. That and seven, more than 70% of those are in Brazil alone. So wow. Brazil, 110 million people are Afro-descendant in Brazil. And the, this is a group that also has seen a lot of advancement in terms mm -hmm. of the education. But as much as women and Afro-descendants have really advanced significantly um, in educational terms, when we look at the labor force, you still see um, doubling the, 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 the rates of unemployment in crisis, mm -hmm. um, uh, vulnerable employment, you know, that employment that you have, but anytime dangerous any positions, oh, okay, you can lose, etc. And when you look at the positions of uh, looking at boards and executive positions today, only 4% um, of the Brazilian uh, boards have Afro-descendant and less wow. than 1% have women Afro-descendant, despite oh. being 54% of the population, right? Represent. So we see a huge disparity. And today women in general, Afro-descendant or not in Brazil, only about 20% of, uh, of the boards today are occupied by women. When at the, the, uh, the, at the internet, sorry, 88% is occupied by women when at the international level, it's about 20%. So, so Brazil and Latin America, despite this educational advancements of this diverse group ha is lagging behind significantly on, uh, on the economic empowerment, let's put this yes. way. Yes, that's so true. The, yeah. the gap that we observe today is really concentrated on this, on this indicate the economic um, development indicator, right? And then when we look at the options, as you were asking, what are the alternatives, right? In terms of alternatives, um, obviously we, when, when policymakers think about um, how do we economically empower uh, people? You know, how do we eliminate this persistent inequality uh, in wages, etc., and well, in wealth, right? We think of education. Education mm -hmm. is the um, the the route with which um, you can economically empower yourself permanently, right? And yeah. and ascend uh, and have economic mobility. Um, <clears throat> however, what we have also observed. Uh, particularly with the Afro-descendant population is that even after you acquire a high level of education, you still face a huge gap in wages. So what we called controlling for those differences in education, a black woman with PhD and a white woman with PhD in Brazil, the black woman will still earn half of what 
the white ah. woman earns on average, even wow. though they have the same level of education. So in summary, that is to say that education did improve the lives of both white and black uh, women, but it was not sufficient to eliminate the gap. The gaps. The but racial okay. gap. So from, from that perspective, now we have organizations, worldwide organizations, such as the International Development Bank, uh, and we've got all the initiatives under the World Bank, and we've got all of the, theoretically, the governmental initiatives on, on each country uh, level. So who takes the responsibility? Like, is it my responsibility as an individual who has that vision for themselves to, you know, be economically developed um, and to empower myself economically. And I've gotten all the education certifications and stuff. So is it my job to start working towards that? Yet, again, if I do go to an organization that pays me half of what my, my colleague would be getting, then is it my job or is it the, the government's jobs or is it the, the international organizational job? Who has the task to start bridging this gap to start making it smaller for everyone involved. Yeah. Um, if we think of persistent inequalities, whose mm -hmm. job is it, right, to mm -hmm. contribute? I think there are many players, right? I will, I will summarize it at least three main players okay. that could contribute to tackling uh, these gaps. The first one is the individual, right? And there is a yes. whole um, um, there is a whole line of work from economists on behavior, right? On how do you tweak and twitch and incentivize and provide incentives, etc., for people uh, to um, uh, assume the right behaviors to invest in their human capital, to make the right choices, etc. Um, so there is a pillar, definitely, there is a role with which the individual needs to assume, right? Mm -hmm. But there is also the fact that even individuals that assume the right behaviors and made the right choices, right? and were able to tap into the available opportunities that exist, et cetera, in funding and this and that, they still face certain, what we call structural inequalities, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's also called, there is also called structured uh, sexism, racism, right? That even institutions themselves assume the role as being the barrier to that individual. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there is a role as well that institutions must play. And when I say institutions is the government, the, 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 the entities that provide services, the entities that make law, <laughs> the entities yeah. that regulate financial markets, right? Um, and, and, and the third one, is the markets, is the role of the private sector, mm -hmm. right? Because the private sector also is the one responsible for allocating resources, who they hire, yeah. who they yeah. choose to hire. If they have a hiring manager that is um, racist, sexist, and, and who has a, a big network of white men that they can tap into uh, fill the positions that they have available, 
they are going to do whatever is easier for them. So there mm-hmm. is, so I see three main, the individual has a role to play, the institutions have a role to play, and the markets. What is the role of IDB, Inter-American Bank? They play a very small role, actually, if you compare the amount of money that they have available to lend that could be used to influence, to turn people's uh, institutions' arms, right? Because that's what they do. If they want to stimulate climate change financing, they will put certain conditionalities in their loans in order for the institutions that take the loan to implement certain policies that promote what the financial institution wants, right? But if you look at their pipeline, today we have trillions of dollars in the productive sector. But uh, IDB, for example, can only lend 1 billion a year to a certain country, right? Like, so it's when you look at the the scale of influence, of course, they have a lot of influence at the political, at the diplomatic, at the, you know, the 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 overarching, but we don't know if the overarching will actually trickle down or not. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. There are hundreds, if not thousands of uh, uh, mayors in Brazil, right? Mm -hmm. So there's Mm -hmm. so much that one financial institution can influence at the local level. So, so, but it's important for them to take a stance, take a strong stance on what uh, needs to be tackled with respect to gender equality or respect to race equality. And they, they, they do have, particularly on gender, you know, all the financial institutions have policies, they have strategies, they, they, they are lending should be aligned with that. And the SDGs today, the Sustainable yeah. Development Goals, you have SDG 10, which is to reduce uh, inequality, race, race, ethnic, etc. And you have SDG 5, that is for gender, to promote gender equality. And, and all markets, institutions, everybody needs to be aligned to that today, right? Everybody's yeah. aligning itself to that. So, so yeah, you, you, your your question is, is is assertive, and but we sometimes it's important to highlight that there are three, um, um, let's say, angles to the story. A yeah. lot of economists sometimes overemphasize the angle of the individual. It's your yes. fault, woman, exactly. that you didn't, uh, that you are that you are out of the labor force, that you got scarred in your salary because you went on maternity leave. It's your fault. You just about have to say, this is one of the things, yeah, one of the yes. things. <coughs> Excuse me. And Sorry. this is one of the things that employers still hold against you when they look at your CV. Oh, there's a gap here of a year, yeah. two, five, whatever it is. Yeah, I was taking care yeah, of oh, my kids okay. and family. Yeah. Like, um, and then you start getting questions. I know I was actually shamed by my ex-business partner where after a three hour meeting, I'm like, okay, thank you very much. I've got to go now to pick up my son from, from nursery. And later he's like, how can you say that to a potential business partner? I'm like, we've been talking for three hours. We're done. And yes, I have a life. I have a son I need to pick up and I have no shame related to that. And I will bring him to meetings if I have to. And I'm still capable and able to do my job. I'm competent to do my job. But this, again, 
as you said, it's it's where we start seeing the 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 applications mm-hmm. and the influences of that gender inequality of the of the uh, you know the pay in the inequality and whatever else that comes along with it with with excuses that are just natural and what make up societies you know both of us can't just not be around to raise a child uh, or i need to amend my work let's say not schedule but even structure to be able to take care of my priorities and my responsibilities as well I don't know when we'll start or when we'll actually stop Mm -hmm. bringing these uh, conversations up and saying, oh, yeah, that's exactly what happened to me. Because one way or another, I think every woman has has some form of a conversation, even if she's not uh, a mother, if she's not married, if she doesn't have this, she still has family like taking care of aging parents or she has herself to take care of herself. And um, I think that is still a part that is taken up a lot of the times against us rather than. Yeah. And, and it's super interesting because there is a study um, that um, has showed that for that this and I, I use this terminology, which is a British economist that introduced a lady economist and the scarring effect from you going on maternity leave or you becoming a mother, right? There is a scarring effect that when you analyze mm-hmm. and compare to the scarring effect, because some employer says, no, it's the scarring effect of you being out of the labor force. It's not of yeah. you being a mother or anything. And it would be the same thing if a man stayed out of the labor force. And she, she showed that it's not true. Absolutely. When I stay for a year on maternity leave, for example, had discount on her, as you go back, right? You should go back on the same pay level, right? Yeah, as yeah. you were before, but no, you have a discount on your salary, right? As you, as you go back to, and when she compared to men who went on, on military assignment, on, on other assignment, that they just stayed out of the labor force for the same length of time, they get a reward. <laughs> oh dear god <laughs> so, so it's not the same treatment yes right yes. it's not yes. the same treatment so that's that's one thing that we need to be mindful of um, and and um and the, and that's the role of the markets that i was saying right, right? the yeah. markets and then to address to start addressing this we need institutions regulators and 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 all those involved in lawmaking uh, creating mechanisms and disincentives for that, <laughs> you know, sure. and and um, and that's what we need to uh, keep pushing, and that's the role of yeah. uh, um, um, of policymakers and and markets itself. Markets don't need to wait until there is a law saying that you need to uh, apply quotas. Exactly. That you need to have uh, you know fairness in your um, um, reinsertion, uh, you know, we don't need to wait. You can do those things, right, yeah. from today. But uh, the way markets function today, it's, it's still profit-driven, uh, profit-first. Yeah. And, and uh, whoever uh, group, whatever group has less bargaining power and needs that job are going to lose out, right? Yeah. So that's the, the challenge. Well, I think... We, we can still 
we'll still have the conversations, we'll still advocate, we'll still push. And um, just like you are doing right now, leading by example um, and, and creating the mechanism or the funding or whatever it is, the channels that is an enabler, an economic enabler for uh, underrepresented uh, um, targets and, uh, and groups of people. And hoping that one day we wake up to, or as we wake up to a reactive, uh, sorry, a proactive rather than a reactive market and, um, and enforce uh, enforced laws and just things that come from, from the willingness to do better rather than the, the must do this for yeah. not that. Exactly. <laughs> Avoiding the punishment rather than looking at what, what would come out of it that is good for everyone. Mm -hmm. Luana, thank yes. you so much. I know we can, this is a topic I know that we, and I, I say this in every conversation, especially the uncharted discussions is like, I know we can go on forever, uh, but I also know that um, your work will continue and um, I definitely appreciate with everything that you do. Thank you so much, and thank you. It was a pleasure, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Well, threefold, you, the government, and the organizations and the market within the organizations. We all take responsibility for where we are. Um, we, as individuals, it's about our resolute and our vision to become better versions of ourselves, um, to empower ourselves towards economic growth, towards uh, professional growth, and towards personal growth. But more importantly, it's about also looking at our resourcefulness and how to employ everything at our hands and how to get everything we don't have right now to be able to work towards this better future for ourselves, for our families, for our um, communities and everything else that comes along with it. Once again, wish you love, abundance and prosperity. Thank you and see you next time. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Empowered to Grow podcast. For further engagement with a tribe of empowered women, join my Facebook group, Empowered to Grow, or visit my website, www.hananelbasha.com. I'll catch you on the next episode. And until then, know that empowered you empowers others. Love, abundance, and prosperity to you all.